Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Indeed, regarding the latest exciting news provided for us by the President of the United States of America, if we don't know now, (laughs) when will we ever know? It is quite something, these presidential summits, White House summits, and so on and so forth, reminds me of an earlier time. And you know the saying that if we are ignorant of history or if we ignore history, we are doomed to repeat it. Well, that really is an oversimplification of the truth. Because regardless how many degrees somebody has in history, postdoctoral studies, everything else, if they are devoid of wisdom, of godly wisdom, and they are in a position of leadership, the greater the leadership position, the worse. They are sure to bring about disasters. And this president reminds me of various people. One was a very respected politician, political leader, prime minister of Great Britain, Neville Chamberlain. And Neville Chamberlain was determined that Britain should enjoy peace and prosperity and not be drawn into various conflicts, which... Reminds me of a president of the United States who had a similar frame of mind in that respect, namely our first, first in war and first in peace, who stated that the United States of America must not allow itself to be drawn into foreign entanglements. But this Prime Minister of Britain, Neville Chamberlain, He famously not only signed the Munich Agreement at the Munich Summit with Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler who pledged non-aggression and peace, (laughs) peace for our time, but then he brandished it to the British press and the British people And he boasted of it, this piece of paper that he referred to it as being that was signed by Herr Hitler and which was de facto guarantee of prolonged, protracted, extended peace for our time and on into the future. Yes. Well, Neville Chamberlain was, of course, proven not only wrong, but grossly, irresponsibly foolish. And I can't help but reflect on that with reference to our current president. But our current president also reminds me of a former president of the United States, president representing the Republican Party, the president who was in office not that terribly long ago, who was the Republican predecessor of Donald Trump, preceding the Democrat president, 
Barack Hussein Obama, none other than George W. Bush. But I'll get back to that in a moment. First, let me just pay reference to something here, something sublimely ridiculous, something that came out in a statement to the press immediately following this momentous summit, which has just taken place uh, between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un. Well, following that summit, the president boarded Air Force One following this, the G7 summit, which preceded this. But he made mention of it following his momentous summit with Kim in Singapore. That following that gathering there, he got out to Air Force One and... He saw something that inflamed his passions. And namely, he saw a news conference by Canadian Socialist Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And when I say socialist, I mean, you know, comparatively soft form of socialism. All right? It's a precursor to the harsher socialism, such as fascism and communism. But Justin Trudeau had some criticisms, critical statements, critiques to make with regard to the President of the United States. And Donald Trump said the following, quote, he had a news conference that he had because he assumed I was in an airplane, and I wasn't watching. End quote. That is a direct quote from our president, that he, meaning Justin Trudeau, had a news conference that he had because he assumed I was in an airplane and I wasn't watching. End quote. So Justin Trudeau made these statements behind the president's back, if you will, because he was sure that the president wouldn't see it, wouldn't hear it, wouldn't know about it. Really? Our president really imagines that, imagines that all of his handlers would fail to see this news conference from Justin Trudeau following the G7 summit. Really? Amazing. (laughs) Remarkable. Well, this is the thought process here of our president. Again, displaying how brilliant he is, which he is always eager to tell everyone about how exceedingly intelligent he is. Amazing that our president thinks that way, if you can call that thinking. With regard to his summit with this vicious thug dictator who owes everything to his father and his grandfather, who handed him this unspeakable evil dictatorship. Our president became such good buddies with him so quickly, 45 minutes, and they're best of friends. Just like George W. Bush following the September 11, 2001 terrorist, Islamist terrorist attacks on the United States of America, he proclaimed that he had looked into Vladimir Putin's eyes He took the measure of the man. He saw into his soul. And he was a good man, trustworthy man, you know. (laughs) George W. 
George W. Bush, who also famously, well, maybe I shouldn't say famously, I don't think it's that well known, but commenting on his MBA, his master's degree in business administration from Harvard, following his undergraduate at Yale, his Ivy League education, even though he's just this country bumpkin from Texas, right? Unlike his father and his father's father and so forth. But he stated that the one thing that he got from his MBA education, the one thing of value that he got from that, that he took from that, was how to command a boardroom. How to be in charge, how to take charge of other people, high-powered people, high-level people, people with big positions, other leaders, wealthy, powerful people, how to take command of them, how to control them and command them. That's what he learned from his MBA. That was the one thing that he took away from his MBA education at Harvard was how to instantly (laughs) take control of these people, be able to manage them to his ends, to manipulate them to his ends, to command and control them. Well, George W., just like so very many, virtually all of our presidents, uh, was a man of great ego, is a man of great ego, as is Donald Trump. And uh, it's hard to imagine that George W.'s ego is quite as large as Donald's, as the Donald's, but, you know, in, in the same vicinity, proximity there, uh, after all, they're in the same club, the same circle, the same inner circle. And so no matter what has occurred between various presidents, they manage to keep up this, uh, this old boys club between them, amazingly enough, regardless what they're doing behind the scenes. But they have a at least a grudging respect for one another because they have attained the same heights. It's like royals vis-a-vis each other. Well, Donald Trump, following this summit, what did he do? Our president, what did he do with Kim? He showed off. He boasted. He gloated about his presidential limousine. To Kim Youngin. He had Kim Youngin, come on, get in. Let me show you all this. Let me show off to you. Really classic leadership here. Right? What you would expect from an honorable, noble, dare I say noble, exceedingly intelligent, wise individual, No, this is what you expect from some punk teenage kid who's got his first car. Amazing. But true. Absolutely true. Our president, of whom so many people are so proud, actually are. (laughs) But as I have said, Not to belabor it, but as I have said, going back well before he became president, back when he was running for the Republican nomination, I've never respected him, never appreciated him based on not his appearance, not his this, that, and the other thing, but his substance or lack thereof. His investments, involvements with casinos. 
his operations with the beauty pageants, or should we call them scholarship pageants now, that he acquired, how he dealt with the contestants, and how he dishonored young women that took a stand against gross depravity. (laughs) But that's our president. But anyway... That's not to say that voting for Hillary would have been the way to go or better choice. Far from it. So he was bent on having this summit. You know, face to face with this vicious, ruthless, murderous, torturous, heinous, thug, communist dictator. Amazing. You, to have the notion that you can somehow achieve peace by negotiating with evil, that is beyond the pall <laughs> when it comes to idiocy. Absolute Gross foolishness, reckless, irresponsible foolishness, breathtaking. But as I've stated previously, what were the things that were wrong with having this summit? But before that, let's say what were the things that were right about it? (laughs) Right meaning there was nothing right, but what were the things that were advantageous about having this summit, about President Trump having this summit? The Nobel Peace Prize. (laughs) That's right. Nobel Peace Prize and then following the Nobel Peace Prize, re-election, you know, down the road. Oh, I know that wasn't it. That didn't have anything to do with it. That didn't influence this president whatsoever. Far from it. Oh, no, no. Well, okay. This summit... What our president called a comprehensive document. North Korea, in the person of its vicious, bloody little dictator, stated that he would move towards ending the North Korean nuclear weapons program. What did the Donald give Kim Jong-un in exchange for that? In exchange for that promise. (laughs) Well, he is halting the joint military exercises with South Korea that the United States has been a party to forever and a day, figuratively speaking. And thereby degrading, diminishing the military preparedness for attack and invasion by North Korea, by peace-seeking North Korea. Yes, but in addition to that, as I've stated previously, our Donald elevated Kim Jong and Kim Jong Un to the stratosphere. Okay, made him an international star now instead of an international thug. Made him a world leader who can command the attention and the respect of the president of the United States of America. Not just of Dennis Rodman. All right. Outstanding. Well, that's what our president has done. But in addition to that, if that weren't bad enough, and it is, there is more. 
In addition to his pledge to Donald Trump's pledge, not just oral, but written in this agreement, that the United States will no longer participate in these war games, or as he stated it, quote, we're not going to play the war games. I thought they were very provocative. And he went on about that, how they you know, were inciting <laughs> warfare. And then, then to uh, help with critics, he stated, almost as an afterthought, I also thought they're also very expensive. Yes, also, also. <laughs> well, our president pledged, pledged, to security for North Korea, security for North Korea. Amazing. I didn't know that the North Korean communist regime was an ally of the United States of America. I thought, okay, there's the North American Treaty Organization, NATO, And there are allies, South Korea, and ironically, Japan, following World War II. It's very ironic, especially given the vicious, monstrous, sadistic brutality committed by imperialist Japan against United States military men and all others whom they attempted to destroy, the Filipinos and so forth, the Chinese, but and the Koreans. <laughs> but yes, I think, well, okay, those are allies, right? New Zealand, Australia, so forth. But now North Korea. <laughs> Our president unilaterally, well, you could say bilaterally here with North Korea, but unilaterally states that the United States of America will secure North Korea. Makes a pledge to security for North Korea. From whom? From our ally South Korea? Okay, it's beyond unimaginably, preposterously absurd and insane. I'm not saying he's insane. I'm saying this is insane. No. Grossly foolish, grossly vain. Yes, not insane. But this pledge is not sane, not reasonable. Not logical. The president went on to say that sometimes the people you most distrust turn out to be the most honorable ones. Now, this is within the context of a press conference following the summit. He is referring directly to... Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un. And the president stated, I believe he wants to get it done. I do trust him. I should have quotes around all of that because these are direct quotes. I believe he, Kim Jong-un, wants to get it done. I believe he wants to get it done, meaning eliminating all nuclear weapons, and only pursuing peace and prosperity. I do trust him, him, Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un. I do trust him. I would love to have him at the White House. 
And Trump stated that his one-on-one with Kim had been very, very good and that the two have an excellent relationship. He saw elsewhere that it was they had established a very special relationship. This was after 45 minutes of meeting. I don't know about you, but I haven't received my invitation to the White House. Have you? Hmm? I would love to have him, this monstrous, evil, bloody dictator who feeds family members to the dogs, literally. I would love to have him at the White House. Breathtaking. Extraordinary. Our president, leading this nation, and his wording with regard to these so-called games, these war games with South Korea, to state that they are very provocative. That is standard propaganda 101 from North Korea that they have been banging the drum on forever and a day. And now, after 45 minutes of meeting with Kim Jong-un, the president is singing that line. He not only stated that the exercises were very provocative, he went on to say that they were inappropriate in light of the optimistic opening that he sees with North Korea. And uh, he also stated, quote, I think the meeting was every bit as good for the United States as it was for North Korea, end quote. Every bit as good for the U.S. as for North Korea. Now, first of all, If it had been every bit as good for the U.S. as for North Korea, that would be a failure, that for the U.S., that would be a loss for the U.S. But it wasn't every bit as good. The United States of America received a reiterated pledge to denuclearize North Korea. In exchange for that, Kim extracted from the master negotiator himself, the Donald, exactly what he wanted. Outstanding. But there's an ironic twist to this, too, is this commitment by Trump on behalf of the United States of America to end, terminate, withdraw the United States of America from having these collaborative war games with the South Korean military. It's ironic because the president, the current president of South Korea, Moon, has been pushing and promoting all of this reunification with North Korea. This leftist moon of South Korea has been promoting that, and oops, (laughs) it actually ends up causing a problem, not just potentially, but truly, for South Korea. And our president, the things that he went on to say about Kim, in addition to saying that I trust him, I trust him, you know, like George W. trusted Vladimir Putin. He said that he developed a very special bond with Kim Jong-un. When's the last time you developed a very special bond with a person, a stranger, in 45 minutes? I'm not saying it can't be done. But to, to develop a very special bond with a vicious 
ruthless mass murderer who has himself worshipped in North Korea and by the North Korean people as being God. And who subjects his people not just to mass starvation, but to concentration camps. If they are Christians, if they are found with a Bible, if they are not sufficiently worshipful of their leader, concentration camps from which they will not emerge, survive, die from starvation, from exposure to the elements, from monstrously hard labor to boot and torture, so forth. Not talking about prisoners of war here. (laughs) This is citizens, citizens of North Korea. This has been going on for all of these decades under his grandfather, Kim, under his father, Kim, and now the prize, Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un. And his sister is a party to it, directly involved, and should Kim Jong-un die prematurely, his sweet sister will take over. Something to look forward to. Our president called Kim a transformational leader for his country. That's right. Do you remember any of the things that Trump said about Kim and his monstrous, vicious, ruthless, horrendously evil dictatorship in North Korea during the State of the Union address? Now, he's a man that he can trust, a man he has a very special relationship with, a man who is a transformational leader for his country. A man who loves his country and loves his people and is dedicated to doing the very best for them that he can. But again, in addition to our president stating that he was suspending, he was ending military exercises with South Korea. He also made, he pledged these security guarantees for North Korea and thus for Kim Jong-un. And again, gave all of this great legitimacy to Kim. Other quotes. Quote, he's a very talented man. I also learned that he loves his country very much. He learned it from Kim. Kim told him so through a translator, that he loves his country very much. End quote. And Trump went on to say, I like him. I like him. Quote, I like him, end quote. Quote, he's smart, loves his people, he loves his country, end quote. The president said the following on Voice of America regarding Kim, and this was a message for the North Korean people from the President of the United States. Quote, I think you have somebody that has a great feeling for them. He wants to do right by them. And we got along really well. End quote. And our President 
is so foolhardy, so reckless, so irresponsible that he would dare to make statements like this based on 45 minutes worth of meeting with somebody through translators. Disregarding all that is known about Kim in North Korea. It is beyond unimaginable. Now, my expectations for our president, for Donald Trump as president, have always been extremely low. Right down at the floor. Extremely low. So it's a very low threshold for him to exceed. (laughs) You know, I mean, if he does anything remotely right, He's surpassed that threshold. But this, this falls so far below that threshold that it is immeasurably low. And Donald Trump is without excuse. One of these fellows who just is so vain and such a complete, utter, total sucker for praise. Remember W.C. Fields famously said, never give a sucker an even break. Well, Donald Trump, who prides himself fancies himself this fabulous negotiator. He got totally handled by by Kim and Kim's handlers. Just amazing. Extraordinary, really. And there were other statements as well that I have failed to mention because I have failed to find them. But uh, just beyond imagination what's involved here. And if you don't mind, let me just mention I'm Brad Thomas and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever's right about this program, true, accurate, is thanks to God Almighty and His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. My Lord and Savior, and whom it is a death penalty to worship in North Korea. (laughs) Or even just to try to find out about, to read about. Whatever's wrong about this program. That's my fault. Referring to God in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, there is a scripture that says the following, Surely the least of the flock shall draw them out. Surely the least of the flock shall draw them out. Now, I have for years, I have viewed that it has been fulfilled many times down through the millennia, but I have viewed Iraq and Afghanistan as having fulfilled that role in drawing George W. blindly, ignorantly, recklessly, foolishly, disastrously, into attacking over there, which I broadcast against (laughs) for so long. But it certainly applies with regard to dear old little North Korea as well. 
I've stated before, and you can accept it or reject it or question it, that North Korea is not an independent entity. Oh, I know. It supposedly is, you know, one of this rogue regime triumvirate, right, that George W. referred to infamously, and deservedly so. They deserve infamy. But it is not independent. It is a satellite state, satellite slave state of communist China and of the former communist Soviet Union. It does not operate totally independently as some solo rogue regime. No, it serves the purposes of superpowers. But our president is beyond oblivious to any and all of that. Okay. He just, he's incapable of, of understanding such things. You know, there are many people, many good people, Christian political conservatives who not only voted for Donald Trump for president, but who became exceedingly enthusiastic about, exceedingly strongly in support of, in spite of everything that was known that was available to be known about Donald Trump back before he began running for president. Should they have voted for him instead of Hillary? Yes. But to imagine that the man was worthy of the position is beyond ridiculous. However, Again, another scripture which I've referred to before, and this from, again, the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, stated the following, that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. The basest of men. And how many times has that been borne out to be true? Hmm? Not the godliest, not the wisest, not the most honorable and noble and self-sacrificial and outstanding. Hmm? No. My issues with our president are not based on his lack of intellect. Again, he's forever telling everybody how smart he is, which he then, by virtue of what he says, refutes. <laughs> by virtue of what he says when he's not telling everybody how smart he is, that he contradicts. Just as he completely, utterly, totally contradicted what he said regarding Kim's North Korean communist regime in the State of the Union address, completely contradicted it here, did a 180-degree turnabout here. And we're supposed to trust the statements, these wise judgments of our president. Well, the president of the United States should have knowledge godly wisdom should not have to depend and rely over much on his advisors, his counselors, and his handlers. A good and godly president or king or leader or ruler must have, in order to be that, must have godly wisdom. And according to God's word, absent the fear of the Lord, 
There is no beginning of godly wisdom. There is not the tiniest modicum of a beginning of godly wisdom absent the fear of the Lord, which our president is devoid of, and so very many are. But so many of these people who have been so enthusiastic about the president, they love to liken him to Ronald Reagan. You know, Donald and Ronald, right? When I was a boy, I knew a couple boys that were identical twins, and they were Ronald and Donald, Donald and Ronald. Well, guess what? These men are light years apart. And I always just loathed this likening Donald Trump to Ronald Reagan. It is such a dishonor to Ronald Reagan. It's a worse dishonor than any of the dishonors that have been heaped on Ronald Reagan during the past half century. But Ronald Reagan had deep convictions and beliefs and knew what he knew. Did he make errors? Absolutely. As governor, as president. Absolutely. Great errors. But those great errors do not alter the fact that the man was a deep, man of deep moral convictions and he was right about so very much he didn't always stand up for what he believed he allowed himself to be influenced by handlers and advisors and counselors and his vice president but The United States of America has much, much, much greater concerns, as does the free world, the so-called free world, the Western world, the developed nations, the former Christendom, have much greater concerns than just North Korea. But the North Korean people... Don't. The North Korean people, their number one, two, three concerns in this life for they and their family and loved ones are the North Korean regime. The South Korean people. They have, they should have, (laughs) many of them don't, living uh, foolishly, wishfully thinking, they should be exceedingly concerned, continuously vigilant and exceedingly concerned about this monstrous, bloody communist regime north of the DMZ. But they should also be exceedingly concerned about its master, bloody red communist China, and the Russian Federation. There were statements made that, again, I will allude to on the next program, perhaps, come back to, but that stated that Trump and Kim were committing to a peace regime, a peace regime. Amazing. And there were statements that what North Korea was seeking was peace and prosperity. That same old line. It was just fantastic. The same old, same old, as we have heard Ad nauseum concerning communist China. Oh, no, they're just like us. They're capitalist, and they are just seeking peace and prosperity and so on and so forth. And the lies will continue until the United States of America, the Western world, 
but chiefly, all importantly, the United States of America is so weakened and its military might and its military will, its leadership's willingness to employ the military is so degraded, so neutralized, that these superpowers that despise and hate the United States of America and free nations and Christendom feel emboldened to attack the United States of America. This is true with the Russian Federation. It's true with communist China. Is that their timeline is long. They are patient. They are shrewd. They are cunning. Okay? In other words, you know, the opposite, diametric opposite of, of Western business and of Donald Trump. Okay? Diametric opposite. Very long, patient. View, worldview, timeline, exceedingly cunning and shrewd, and absolutely committed to what they have been committed to for decades and decades and decades and decades. And that is the violent overthrow of the United States of America and the free nations that it supports and it defends. Something to look forward to. We here in the United States of America, we so very many are focused on enjoying prosperity, peace and prosperity, and we think all people are that way, all nations are that way, all governments are that way, oh, they may be incompetent, and they may be foolish, and they may be corrupt, but they all want the same thing. Can't we all just get along when in point of fact, nothing could be further from the truth. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. <laughs>